Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. As we jump back into the Sermon on the Mount, we want to do what we've made a habit of doing every uh, Sunday, and that is to stand and pray the kingdom prayer together. Now, let me caution you. I know it, it, what can happen in moments like this is we can stand up. There are words here. We kind of mutter through them. Our Father, I want to encourage you to actually pray this, to mean this, to let the Lord have this prayer um, and, and be intentional about it. So let's pray these words together. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, Father, we continue just to ask that you would be at work in this time, in this place. Lord, I invite you to speak. The words we'll read, words you said, Jesus. We pray you'd bring them to life, stir our hearts, convict our hearts of the truths we need to hear. So we can really live kingdom life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, so we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. Surprise. We've been doing this for several months now. And on purpose. Those of you who are thinking, I think we already covered it, Keith. Like, can you guys move on? The answer is no. We cannot. Um, actually, you know, soon we'll, we'll uh, start using the, the Sermon on the Mount as a springboard into other parts of Scripture like we have um, much of the last several months, but today we're going back before we're going forward. So I'm going to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 with me if you have your Bibles. If not, you'll see it on the screen behind me. Um, and we're going to read these words from Jesus um, and kind of step into the, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount as we look for a foundational truth. And before we start reading, I want to remind you, the Sermon on the Mount ends with an illustration Jesus offers about two men who were building a house a wise man and a foolish man, the wise man builds his house on these words Jesus has just spoken. That's the expectation. If you listen and you take these words and you build your life on them, that's wise. So it's important to keep that in mind. As we talk about foundational realities, that's not just like preacher jargon. It's literally what Jesus said. These are foundational truths. These words are the foundation we build our lives on. And it's important to note where Jesus starts. The very first bit of, of the foundation Jesus lays for our life is right here in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Let's read together. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, 
because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Blessed, 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 blessed. Nine different blessings Jesus offers here. I think we could agree. Jesus is laying a foundation here that has something to do with blessing, right? What's surprising about this is Jesus keeps singling out people, groups that don't otherwise seem to be very blessed, right? But he is announcing it, declaring it, and as king over all the earth, he has the authority to do that. And he's saying, no, no, these people are blessed. Now that I'm here, these people are blessed. These people are blessed. These people are blessed. Like, I don't know if y'all are familiar with that old Oprah episode. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. Jesus king over all the earth is singling out these people groups even those that seem unblessed and he's saying no blessed 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 but if you'll notice you know i think we do this sometimes when we read scripture um we make it digestible right so we grab small parts of it right and we 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 munch on it we chew on it we savor it we really make it count but it can be a temptation to kind of stop there and not get up and look around and see what else that bite is connected to I think we're really going to understand what Jesus is saying as he's bringing and he's announcing these, these blessings. We have to see it all. And that's the reason we read this big chunk to get started. Not just bless, 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 but also you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. See, these things weren't spoken in, in, a, in a silo separate from each other. They just didn't take a break, go get a drink of water, and say, come back next week and I'll give you the rest of it. No, this is all connected. And as Jesus announces, bless, 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 he also, and more than insinuates, there's an expectation as well for us. Not only do we receive a blessing, we also bring a blessing. And not a small blessing, not a blessing that the world can live without, but instead a blessing the world depends on. Salt, light. In the kingdom of God, we are blessed to bless. I'll say that again. I want you to hold on to it. In the kingdom of God, we are blessed to bless. In reality, this isn't something new Jesus is teaching. This is God's MO. You look back at scripture from the very beginning, and you grab hold of people like Abraham. You think about Abraham's story, childless, you know, 90 years old. God says, no, I'm gonna bring you a blessing, but he's careful to explain why, right? Why is Abraham gonna receive this child in his old age? There's a promise. Your son, your heir will be what? A blessing to all nations. Why is Abraham blessed? To bless. Think about Isaac. The same is true for Isaac. The same is true for Jacob. Think about Joseph. You know, Joseph is the 11th child of 12 brothers, right? And they're picking on him. He's always getting the dreams. They throw him in a pit. He's gonna die. Instead, he's a slave, which is so much better. He's suffering, but, but God still blesses him, right? He raises him up to be second in command over all of Egypt. And why? Well, it gives him dreams 
so that he can understand a famine's coming. They save, 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 store up, store up, store up. And as a result, when the famine hits, the, all the world around Egypt comes to Egypt. Why? Because they've saved up. They have grain. They can give. They can be the blessing. Why did God bless Joseph? So he could be a blessing. And this is a story that repeats over and over throughout Scripture. Grab uh, you know, Gideon, uh, Samson, all these different people. God blessed them so they could be a blessing. So what about us? What about you? You know, we want to start with this foundational truth, and it doesn't make sense to live as a blessing until you know you're blessed. Right? That's how empty cups happen. That's how burnout happens. So I want to stop for a moment, and I want to look you all in the eye and ask you, do you know how much God loves you? Are you aware? The God of heaven and earth sent his son to make it clear how much he loved you, to give his life, to raise from the dead so that you could have life forever with him. As it's hard to escape the enormity of that blessing, but some of us do. Like we just don't slow down long enough to hear that, to know that, to understand that. I want you to know that now. But I also want to challenge you with this. I know it's possible for some of us in, in, the, in a tough season, a difficult life, to, to see God's blessing. But I want to challenge you. If you don't know God's blessed you, make an appointment for yourself this week. Grab a spiral notebook. Sit down. Grab the good book if you need to. And just write one question down on the page. How has God blessed me? And then answer it. Turn the page. Keep answering. Turn the page. Keep answering. Turn. As many blessings as you can think of, try that little exercise this week so that you can arrive at this foundational reality. First, you are blessed. But once you see that, once you know that, once you understand that, God has great plans for you because his blessing is not supposed to stop with you but instead to fill you up, overflow, and extend beyond you, through you, to a world that's desperate for salt and light. So how do we know this? How can we be sure? Jesus made this clear. You know, Jesus' relationship with his disciples was bigger than the Sermon on the Mount. This is a part of what he shared with them. He called it, he sat down, he called them, and he shared these truths with them. But he shared so much with them. He blessed them again and again. He blessed them along the road. He blessed them on the water, in the boat, right? He blessed them in the crowd, no, he, he blessed them with the religious leaders looking. He blessed them at the table as they sat together. And so many times Jesus unpacked kingdom truths for them while they sat at the table together. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And to what end? I think John 13 gives us a really good look at the end Jesus was after. So I wanna encourage you to join me there in John chapter 13. If you'll flip over there or follow me on the screen. We're going to read uh, this together and kind of step through the last table experience Jesus enjoyed with his disciples. Now, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross, okay? And he gets everybody together, and he knows, as you're about to read, what's about to happen, but he knows his job's not done yet. And so, this is uh, John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Well, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Well, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power 
and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Stop for a second. Jesus knew what? Jesus knew the Father put all things under his power. He'd come from God and was returning to God. So, so what? So, like, think about that moment for a second. If you know that, I mean, the world is at your fingertips, right? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I mean, let's get the best food, the best drink. I'm going to have a Bodo's bagel again because time is short. Like, I'm going to enjoy that. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to gather your friends, your family, throw a party. What do you want to do? Jesus knew this. He knew he, he had the, the full blessing of heaven. So what did he do? It's a different kind of king. It's a different kind of kingdom. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He did what? This is supposed to be shocking. You're gonna find out in just a second how shocking it was for, for Peter and the other disciples, but think about what just happened. You've probably, if you've heard this story before, a, a, a preacher, a pastor has probably brought some of the contextual reality to bear on, on the story. And, and so I wanna make it clear. This role, foot washing, was reserved for the servant in the house who was the least. Like this is the bottom of the food chain, okay? The very lowest job. So Jesus and his disciples uh, had stinky, dirty feet. Now this is hard for us to appreciate because we walk around with fresh feet all the time, right? We probably wash them every day. If you don't, don't pretend like you do right now, right? Like you, you take those showers, you wash your feet. You wear shoes, socks probably too. Like your feet are protected, they're clean most of the time. That wasn't the case in the first century. On dusty roads, long days, weeks without bathing, his feet were nasty, stinky, which is why this was a job reserved for the very least. Let it amaze you, shock you, that a role reserved for the, the servant who was the least is now being done by the king who's the greatest. So you'll understand why what happens next happens. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. You see, Peter's response is, this is wrong. This cannot happen. And Jesus doesn't just brush that aside and say, yeah, but let me do it this time. You know, everybody's kind of watching. Instead, Jesus says, no, and in no uncertain terms, this is right, this is necessary, this is essential. He, he stopped short of saying what he said to Peter earlier in the Gospels, get behind me, Satan, you don't have in mind when things of God but the things of man. But, but this is still strong, right? No, unless you have no part with me. So Peter, you know, starts backpedaling pretty quick. Like, okay, well then everything. Wash it all. I'm all in, Jesus. Which is quintessential Peter, right? Like, just give me the most. Give me the, let's do it. Jesus must be more than um, a son who's blessed. He also must be 
a king who's blessing. That's his greatest desire and with great expectations. Let's, let's continue to read. In verse 12, Jesus um, had finished washing their feet, so he put on his clothes and he returned to his place and he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now these, these names, they call him teacher, Lord, um, Rabbi, Adonai. These are terms of great esteem and high respect. And Jesus says, you call me these things, and that's not wrong. Like, that's, that's who I am. But you'd better see the rest of me too. I'm here to serve. And by the way, so are you. I, I, I've done this. You know these things. You've heard these things. And the next words, I think, are essential for people who live in the kingdom. Here they come. Ready? Verse 16 Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You remember where we started today? Blessed, 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 blessed. Well, this is where Jesus finishes with his disciples. And if you read this uh, in the Greek, it's a little clearer. I think it sets up to make the point that much greater uh, but it would be very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, or his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, blessed are those who do them. Just as he's, he's rattled off this, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the, the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed. He stops in this moment after sitting down with his disciples, just like he did on the mountain, but he got up, he washed their feet, and he said, now, blessed are those who do this. Blessed are those who get up and serve. You think about the, the nature of the relationship Jesus has had with his disciples. He's been pouring out blessing all the time, nonstop. For three years, they journey with him along the roads, in the boat, uh, while, while they're walking, on, and they're talking, they're eating at table. Jesus comes to this moment, the last table they're sitting together at, and he says, blessed are those of you who will get up and serve. Now I told you, I felt strongly, in the kingdom of God, we are blessed to bless. But I want you to see what's happened here for Jesus and his disciples. Jesus wasn't just pouring out blessing. He was cultivating blessings. He was empowering blessings. His intent was never that the blessings would be poured out, they'd be damned up, these guys would enjoy their life and they'd die with a grin on their face. His heart for them was that they would receive these blessings and they'd be so great they couldn't keep them to themselves. They'd have to share them. They'd have to carry them wherever they went and, and make them known. That's the blueprint in the kingdom of God. This king wants to pour out so much blessing you can't possibly keep it to yourself so that you start looking for people, places, situations, where you can be the blessing he's been to you. In the kingdom of God, we are blessed to bless. 
So what do we do with a word like that? What do we do with a kingdom truth like that? We put feet to our faith. This is how we live. You know, if you've been with us very long, we always finish this way. So I wanna invite Blake to help me with this. Um, We're gonna talk to you about a couple of things you can do, practical steps you can take to live in the kingdom of God as a people who are blessed to bless. So it starts... Well, we talked about it first. This first step is to know your, your blessing, to know there's a blessing for you. Maybe this, this stage in your life right now, you are, uh, you're wrestling uh, with grief. You're overwhelmed with the struggle. Did you know there is a group here at City Church called Grief Share that Fran Hartwig leads? It's all about giving you a place to come and, and, and walk through that with a group of people to be blessed through your grief. Now, that's an option for you right now. That's one way to put feet to your faith. Second way is to be a part of cohorts. We've got two cohorts this fall, both led by Pastor Gabe. One is for couples. Um, I, I was laughing as it was mentioned. Zoe did such a good job on the video, but it's for like every kind of couple you can imagine. Like you could be a married couple of 50 years. You could be a remarried couple. You can be a couple that's engaged. You can be a couple who's thinking about being engaged, but you don't want anybody to know yet, but you're still thinking about it, right? If you're a couple, this is for you. And it's a great way to build the foundation for that relationship. Or emotionally healthy spirituality is another cohort. Um, If you need more than anything in your life right now to get some things right for emotional health, um, that's a blessing you can enjoy. Those are three opportunities to experience a blessing from God. But we also want to call you to something else, something that's new and that's not new. Gather around tables. And so I want to push it to Blake now. Let him talk about Alpha. Yeah, so Keith's going to talk about gathering around the table a little bit more after me. But we want to invite, as as this whole message has talked about, we want to invite you as a blessed person, blessed by Jesus, to be a blessing. Um, The call to be a disciple, it starts with being fishers of people, fishers of human human beings. We're going out to make disciples. Mm -hmm. What Keith was uh, just speaking on, the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus says, I'm gonna do this for you and I want you to do it for others. Mm. So you know a lot about Alpha already, but we wanna encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to invite a non-believing friend to come hear the gospel, but in a place where it's safe to explore faith, to have doubts, to be skeptical, to not even be a Christian. Um, And the idea is to give people a safe place to explore faith. That's on Monday nights, unless you're middle or high school, which is on Sundays. If you can't do Monday nights, we still want you to invite somebody to the table. So I'm gonna turn that back yes. to Keith for that. Yeah, you know, I, I hear Blake come in and give uh, you know, reports all the time about Alpha and his groups gathered around these tables and this, like these life-giving conversations that are happening. I was like, I wanna go, I wanna be there. And I'm gonna get a chance one day, I wanna go. Uh, so that's an option for you first. A second is we are... Uh, we're challenging all of you. So grab your finger right here, hold it up in the air, and be like, right here, put it on you. You, that's who we're talking to right now. If you have a table at your house, and I mean any kind of table, you got a fancy like Queen Anne-like table, or you have a round oak table, or you got a coffee table, or even an end table could technically work. Anything you've got that qualifies as a table qualifies you to answer this call. We're challenging you to make room at your table. To, uh, to, to join us in a uh, kind of a six-week series. In fact, in the seat back in front of you, or if you guys on the front row, underneath your chair, you should be able to find a piece of paper. It looks like this. I want you to grab it. It says table groups, right here. Table groups. 
And then I want you to turn to the back and you can see we're inviting people in our community to your table. If you have room at your table for Jesus, we just want you to invite others, you know, friends, coworkers, neighbors, strangers you meet at the supermarket, whoever, to come to your house, sit at your table with Jesus for six weeks. Pastor Pete's gonna gonna film some videos, some short lessons that uh, just introduce people to Jesus as one who can answer this question better than anybody else, what is the good life? What is the good life? But we need your table to do it. There's a stigma attached to that steeple outside. Some of you know it, and you hesitated coming to church, walking inside these doors. We know this. There are people who love you but are hesitant about the church. And maybe what's keeping them from a face-to-face with Jesus is uh, that they see that steeple and they, they start backing up. Well, what if you invited them to your table? They love you, at least some of them, right? <laughs> Invite them to your table. Too many of them have lived too long without knowing the blessing Jesus has offered. And they might know the blessing you are. We're challenging you to take it to the next level. If you have a heart for people, if you're willing to open your home, if you're willing to serve something, anything, I mean a drink, some dessert, some brownies, I can make brownies. Y'all can do that. And you can turn on a video. Then you can host people at your table. Six weeks this fall, we're asking you to do that. Um, If you're not going to Alpha and gathering around those table groups, we want you to open up your home and gather people at your table. There's gonna be a whole lot more about this next week. Pastor Pete's gonna gonna extend this invitation again to you. But I want you to take this. I want you to start praying about who you could invite to your table. If you have a table and you have a blessing, we wanna invite you to bless them, all right? So be praying about this. You can snap that QR code and go ahead and sign up now if if you're ready to. If not, we want you to be praying about it together, all right? So as we close, we're gonna respond a little differently. This is a, a call to respond to scripture, to respond to Jesus and the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna ask you to stay seated. And as the worship team uh, sings a, a final closing song, we'd like you to take the alpha card that you were handed on the way in. And I wanna be extra clear, because I'm not always clear about this. We want every single person who is sitting in a seat to hand this in. It doesn't mean that you need to check any boxes to volunteer, but there's something for everybody. The one thing that is for everybody is the, at the very bottom, we're asking you to put the name of somebody who is not currently a part of of following Jesus or God's kingdom. We want you to write that name down and we want you to turn it in. So just to be clear, however many 300 or so people, we'd like to get 300 cards back. And what that does for you is it gives you an opportunity to pray, to ask God and the Holy Spirit to bring a person to mind. Now, of course, you can fill out other parts on this card if you want to, um, if you're interested in Alpha. But the main thing is we wanna be praying for people. When we get these names, we take them and we pray over them. Mm-hmm. So take this next, the next few moments. Ask God what he's doing in your heart, what names he's bringing to mind, and where he wants you to meet at the table. Amen. So we'll go ahead yeah. and worship. Yeah, let's worship yeah. together.